the frames. Music, movies, culture, and faith. Featuring your hosts, John Gibson and Joel Flores. Hey, well, tis the season to think about green and red usually, but today we're going blue for y'all. And we are going to hit something old before we talk about something new, probably in our next episode. So uh, today we are talking about the 2009 film Avatar. Welcome to Between the Frames. I'm your host, John Gibson, and I am joined by the ever lovely bearded Joel Flores. The bearded Joel Flores. Wow, is that like a like a bearded dragon? I feel very. It is the, yeah. the beard's coming it's, along nicely. It, you know, it this is. Uh, protects my face from the ice and snow. You, you look very. I, I look distinguished. distinguished. Yes, you do. Oh well, I, I why? Think, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for using such uh, lovely adjectives. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm really I, look. 2009. It's crazy to think about the fact that it's been almost. 10, 11, 12, 13 years, really, and this, oh, yeah. the film's probably been in the works for a while, the, the sequel, which is out now as we speak. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so as we're recording this, I haven't seen it yet because I've had absolutely no time, but I'm excited because Christmas is, you know, this weekend, so that's when right. we're, we're kind of talking about this, and um, I'm looking forward to go check it out uh, next week on my break, and um, yeah, man, this is like a cultural phenomenon, and I think... I'm sure you're going to have a lot of thoughts and and things to say, but I but I will say this. You know, James Cameron has always kind of been a visionary in his own right, like like really kind of tapping into something new that tends to be is either at the precipice of kind of launching an ideal. You know, you, you think about I don't know. You think even way back to Terminator, and certainly mm-hmm. has a lot of other films, but Terminator yep. kind of the whole. We never would have thought about networking and sky networking and all this kind of stuff that he was talking about. We're like, I don't know what he's talking about, and and now that's reality, right? And then oh, um, yeah. Avatar, obviously, kind of synonymous with. I mean, we kind of live in this virtual Avatar. We are like a part of these virtual worlds that we're part. I mean, heck, if our kids play Fortnite, they're getting the different. I don't know what they think. My kids are going to make fun of me, man. But what are they getting? Those different outfits they put on. They call them uh, skins. If, you're, skins. if your kids skins, yeah. See, even yep. you knew that. So, like, you know, um, Isaac is all excited because he has Indiana Jones the skin, and I'm like, what do you run around with your whip and like hit people? So, um, <laughs> which is cool. I mean, it's cool, you know. Um, but <laughs> it'd be cool if Indy had the had the power. Where he just pulls the gun out and shoots the guy once, and he dies. But yeah. Um, well, and speaking but I'm about getting James, way off topic. No, no, but I mean, talk about James Cameron for for a bit. I mean, you know, it's not every day that you see film directors ha- be able to kind of morph into the world of, of documentaries too. Because I'm I'm thinking about how after Cameron did Titanic and some of the special effects that he had with that, they he did a he did a documentary. Am I am I? Not not right here. I thought I thought he did. Um, um he, he did. did. Yes, I just yeah. can't remember the title of it. Yeah, I can't remember the specifics of it. But I mean, there's something to it. I think I think there was an that was the thing that was fascinating to me about about Titanic. You know, there was all this. You know, you use the word cultural phenomenon. I think before even in regards to to Avatar, but. But I remember what Titanic was like. I mean, people would go crazy back then. Of course, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio it was kind of, the, you know, just his rise to popularity back then. But um, but he, you know, he, I think, brought some 
renewed interest back to um, to, to that idea of Titanic and, and you know to be able to take a historic event and do what he did with that and, and of course then there were some discoveries around around the, the wreckage of the Titanic um, after that movie I think too so you know pretty cool obviously for Avatar it's not necessarily based upon anything you know uh, in reality um, but you know it's a film we're talking about uh, largely I think in part because of what what Joel mentioned before, you know, here at 13 years later, the sequel, I feel like 2021 and 2022 have been about the 80s, 90s, you know, whatever, like long awaited sequel. I mean, we talked about Top Gun Maverick in a, an episode not too long ago, and that was a long awaited sequel, much longer than this one. But, um, but yeah, it's so the fact that probably more people are talking about avatar is probably part of the reason why we're we're talking about avatar yeah absolutely and i think also it's just a really big um it's a really big event too right i mean you think about have you have you gotten to experience um kind of the avatar world at the animal kingdom did you, no, have you guys gotten to no, do that not yet Mm-mm. no i uh, want it's, to um it's pretty fascinating. Uh, actually, it's amazing the, the the ride too, where you feel like you're riding on the back of, of oh, the creature of and you're going yeah, all over the place uh-huh. is insane. Wow. Well, the whole thing, but it's like it's like four tiers up, and you get okay. in, and it's really wild. Like it's it's huge, it's massive. Like you're in front of an IMAX, right? So yeah. you, you the feeling of it is so real. It's like oh my gosh, I'm like actually you know flipping all around, and it's it's exhilarating, but it's beautiful. Like the whole world of it, and mm-hmm. I think it's this idea. Look, look. We live in a reality right now where we're we're very aware that we wish sometimes we could just check out into another (laughs) avatar or something else for a while, right? A virtual reality or anything that is not people bickering at each other and fighting over everything. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think, yeah, like Avatar opens up a new world. It's definitely cool and i i definitely have on my bucket list to go check out disney and and check out the avatar area at at disney um you know like you said before cameron is a master with cgi i think you know starting way back with the abyss um and you know then to what he did in the abyss opened up what he was able to do with Terminator 2 and then you know even I haven't watched a ton of um, anything or read any articles even about the new Avatar sequel but I understand that there was even some more cutting edge technology that he used in the new film um, which uh, you know I'm sure before we record and and talk about that one we we can get up to speed a little bit on that but but for this one I mean I don't remember if any movies prior to Avatar really were using that that motion capture kind of face stuff that honestly probably set the way for um, um, you know movies like well actually I guess I guess the Lord of the Rings trilogy was before Avatar so uh, some of that technology probably was used, you know, hand in hand. But yeah, yeah, like with Smeagol and all those different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, 
there's this what I like is we've come back to what a lot of people think when they talk CGI, computer generated, you know, mm-hmm. um, graphics and that kind of thing. I mean, we even talk in video game terms. Oh, the graphics are so amazing, you know, so young people, you know, younger kids and teens and stuff. But I think that, like, we got to think there's always a lot of practical effects. And it's the blurring of the two. I mean, honestly, even George Lucas was actually at the head of that, of piloting, mm-hmm. you know, whether you liked Phantom Menace and all of those, he was, act- there's actually a lot of practical effects in that. People think it's all CGI, but it's not. But the thing is, is that it doesn't look as well rendered because technology has gotten better where they can blend the lines mm-hmm. more smoothly. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's always been, and and he tended to go away from more of the practical effects into more of the CG because at the same time, it's his prerogative. He was testing the boundaries. Like what, what would it look like if we did all this instead of having to stop motion everything and that kind of thing, which he had already mastered, right? When you talk about George Lucas, he mastered what that looks like with, you know, um, What's their company? Uh, Illumination. Um, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, industrial yeah, yeah. light and magic. Uh, yes, That's it. Thank so, you. Yep. so like you know, they had already kind of like mastered that, and they were helping other studios do those things. And so, so he wanted to push more because Lucas is going to get pushback. But a guy like George Lucas was a boundary pusher, and I think mm-hmm. James Cameron's the same thing. And in a same, in, a, in a way, James Cameron kind of followed around a little bit what George Lucas is doing is going okay now I'm going to take that and like in Avatar we're going to do it a little better this way right you know what I'm right. saying so oh, absolutely. so I, yeah. I do remember though by the time they got to Revenge of the Sith I just remember that opening sequence especially in the theater screen whether you like the movie or not the opening sequence of the space battle was like so overwhelming whereas mm. the space battle is always the great thing in every movie and you love it it's exciting I just remember the opening of that was so intense and the way yeah. they could zoom you in and bring you into their two like Jedi fighter ships swirling mm-hmm. around the battle and, and getting in close like that's a great use of like not only the rotoscope and 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 that kind of stuff but also getting into the the computer generated you know matte surroundings where you're not having to draw it artistically but now you have the the world enhanced around it right i guess that's the difference yeah so when you talk yeah, about yeah. cameron and avatar he was able to build on that on those steps and on all those things like Jurassic Park and all that, which Spielberg did and all that, and 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 mm-hmm. build the world around it, which is why you really felt like I remember seeing that movie and what you felt like was you were there on right. that actual planet. Like yeah. there. Yeah. Like it was a real place and it didn't feel like you were in a game or a Pixar movie. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I think that that's what was so like those creatures, even though you knew they were CG, you know people are playing them. Like you know Zoe Saladna's playing you know the female character you can see their humanity behind the creature kind of mm-hmm. thing but it's yeah. also because of the cg and not just um and i like practical effects man especially in costumes but because not that it was a much larger scale it's because they made them large scale right like the people are like this big right. the creatures are much bigger so yeah, yeah it was just interesting i think that that's what was fascinating to see that and it actually like looked good and then, mm-hmm. you know, it's a classic tale of we're destroying, you know, humanity is greedy and we like to destroy places that we go into. And it's kind of synonymous with going in and, you know, kicking the indigenous out and ripping up the. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> ripping oh, up absolutely. the land. Kind of what kind of what we do. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. so it's like it's like, well, what do we do if if we had the opportunity to kind of be aware of it now and and actually stop it? Like, what if what if we were able to step in? I think it's almost. I don't. I don't want to get too far ahead. Bear. Maybe it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Like, are we? 
are we saying, boy, what if we could have addressed this and actually said, no, this is, we, we, we shouldn't do it this way. Mm. We need to try to coexist and learn from, they have a lot to teach us and vice versa. You know what yeah. I mean? That, yeah. that approach. Yeah. 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 And we can, we can talk about some of that stuff as far as the, the, that deeper stuff, you know, in a, a few minutes, I think what, you know, what you mentioned about Cameron and even the comparison between him and Lucas, I, as I was sitting here listening to you talk, I, I couldn't help but think, oh, gosh, I think there's probably more in com- th- Those two may have more in common than than anyone would like to admit. But uh, I mean, the biggest one and you talked about the prequels and the fact that in the Star Wars prequels and how you know so much shade was thrown at Lucas because of that, because the, the story was weak at best. I mean, we can say the same thing about the, the sequels as well. But um, I would I would say that the benefit of the sequels people. though visu- visually were pretty stunning that oh. was the difference oh yeah was oh yeah it, because time. the technology was the best oh and absolutely. also the space battles and stuff but yes i agree totally. with you but visually they were pretty epic well and that's where i think you <laughs> yeah. know for me like a movie like avatar I-, I judge it on two in two completely different realms there's the visual yep, aspect yep. of it and then there's the story right. aspect of it. And one of them yep. I would laud and applaud. And one of them I'm like, yeah, you, you need to find a writer. And, you know, there's a podcast that I yeah, listen and I to. Yeah, and I saw some of that. Yep, yep. Yeah, there's a podcast that I listen to sometimes called Blank Check where they, they focus on uh, some of these directors who had success early on in their career and were basically given a blank check to do whatever they wanted. And... And, you know, they just talk about whether or not they've made the best choices. And I I think for Cameron, who, you know, the stuff that I've read about the guy, he's not the the nicest, most pleasant of people. I mean, in his interactions with others. But, um, but, you know, here's a guy who had some mild success early on. And I think he was given a blank check. And, you know, that can be a a danger at times because it's like given free reign on stuff um you know no there's no accountability sometimes and i'm like dude like some people will call will call avatar you know dances with wolves and science fiction and and i think um the the story is not as strong as as i'd like it to be but then all my you know, uh, all my friends who aren't movie snobs like like we are are like, oh, you, oh, you, you're coming at it with the wrong approach and, and whatever. And I'm like, story is story. Like, you've got you've got to have a strong story in order to sustain something like that. And you know, I've had the benefit of seeing the sequel. We're not going to get into that until we actually talk about the sequel. But I, I, yep. I think we'll find that there's there's an argument there in regards to what sustains a movie and and we can talk you know talk about that with Star Wars prequels sequels we can talk about it with Avatar as well in regards to mm. is special effects enough to sustain a 3 hour long movie i i, I think and James Cameron's never going to hear what I think about him, but I think he's kind of a self-indulgent. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think of words yes. that won't get me in trouble. 
<laughs> yes, a self-indulgent. Uh, yes, he's yeah, he person. is self-indulgent. Yes, and and yes. Um, y- you know, Avatar, the first one, this one that we're talking about, I think maybe shows a little bit of that, but um, but I think it 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 works. You know, it works, and it works mm-hmm. because of the newness in two thousand nine when it came out with some of this technology, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, listen, anybody who's probably an epic artiste, mm-hmm. <laughs> if we were, that's why they say never meet your heroes. Right. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, has, yeah. a, has a bit of self indulgence in them and there's a part of that that makes them great. And that doesn't mean they have to be unkind or anything, but right. there's going to be a bit of wrapped up in themselves. So, so I think that, you know, to, to Cameron's credit, though, he, what I like is, you know, these aren't guys that are just churning things out. They're they're mm-hmm. they're always trying to be even in their own way, whether it's on a large scale or a small scale, um, innovative. And yeah. I think the time period, first of all, there's a fandom and people want to hear a continuing story. So mm-hmm. that's part of it. There's a lot of story to tell. The other part, though, is is, you know, whether he executed it well or not is another thing. But the other part is is I'm quite sure, like a Lucas, you know, he waited 13 years, well, probably at least a decade to start the process to be like, okay, let's see where the technology changes us, where we could do something even more in depth, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we have been immersed in the Marvel world and the superhero world and all that, where it's been a blend and a blur of all these kind of things for quite a while, right? Which, Mm -hmm. listen, I, I love all that stuff, but... But I love, I, I think what it is, is this is a fantastical visual story that is also not just an action flick, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, yeah. So so there's a bit of, you know, we keep getting closer and closer to it, almost blurring the line completely where you're like, okay, I don't know which is, Reality. now it just looks yeah. like actors are in a studio uh, Warner Brothers, but on a different planet. You know what yeah, I mean? <laughs> right. And so it's it's getting really close to that versus, you know, it's Godzilla stomping on on mini sets. So, so right. when you think about it, um, I think that that's the most important thing to me as a consumer, mm-hmm. as, as a fan, is if I'm going to see all CG, and we need to talk properly here, um, I want to see it artistically used more in animation. If I'm mm-hmm. going to see all that, I'd rather see animation and really good animation. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but if I'm going to see great CG supporting practical, I, I'm a firm believer there always needs to be an element of practical, and the CG enhances and, and blends this seamless line where it looks like, okay, literally, if we get 10 actors in a room, we can put them on Pluto. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's that's when we get to that point where that looks realistic and it's consistent. Um, not for the sake of sacrificing the story, but it's just like as if you were actually filming in New York and doing a romance story. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want it to be that real where it's not just about action. It's we're here and we're immersed in this world. And I think that that's where we'll be the next stage or the next pinnacle. And I think mm-hmm. these guys are trying to push that envelope. The problem is, is if you have elementary story writers or people who are, you know, self-indulgent, which let's face it, Lucas is self-indulgent as well. Like they're, they want their way. And you know what, man, like, to be honest, 
they can kind of do what they want to do. I mean, yeah, it's like it's like check. Bob Dylan yep. can write whatever songs he wants. <laughs> like, exactly. Just right. just don't be upset though. Don't be upset if people don't all like your art or they don't all get it or they critique it. That's that's the biggest thing we have to remember. Because right. if you're a big baby, but you had to have your own way, and then people backlash at it, well, okay. You know, um, so I digress. Anyway, I, it, looking at this first movie, it was a very unique story at the time. It was, mm-hmm. it was uh, maybe we had seen it sort of before. Um, you know, the cryo chambers, the the all that kind of idea in space. Cameron had established that. I mean, definitely through Ridley Scott's work and and Alien, and we know that he did Aliens, which is you know, sure, Aliens is kind of a masterpiece. So yeah. like those kinds of things built on one another, right? And I don't know, the '80s was gritty. It had a lot of that gritty. It's it's kind of like I just watched the Robo RoboCop one and two, and I won't even mm-hmm. mention three, but one and two. But like the first movie is like you know a masterpiece, really. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's this great film that's more than the vehicle of a robot. We should we should talk about that movie sometime. Yes. But the idea is that the eighties were chock full of and and getting into that early nineties, right? Terminator mm-hmm. two and all that of this idea of almost nihilism, but like, you know, humans are destined to self destruct. But what if they could be forewarned? And what is that? You know, what does depravity look like? These are great questions that we can talk about in an episode, surely, on our show, right? Sure. So, So I think that oh, yeah. Cameron has a lot of his... The point I'm trying to make is he, as a director, has a big influence in that that time period. So when we look at it now in 20... You know, let's talk 2009. When we see him tell this story, there's bits and inflections of that. But now we're dealing with, okay, so what does it look like when we take human folly and put it on another planet? Mm. I mean, even yeah. the fact that Sigourney Weaver's in it, right? Like, sure. Oh, yeah. There's there's those ties there, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I I was trying to think. I don't I don't know that I ever saw Avatar in the theater. Did you see it in the theater? I did, and that's what was amazing. Like, you okay. know, it's one of those you had to see. And maybe that's a difference too, John. It but could be. It's one of those. It could be. Think about it. Two thousand nine, and you see it in like right, either a big screen or an IMAX. I definitely saw it. It was two thousand. I saw it in Georgia for sure. Okay. Yeah. So you you see it, and it's like, you know, you get it. You're like, wow, this is. This is amazing. Yeah. Right? And, and, right? and there's there's something to be said. I mean, you know, again, I, I'll I'll be the first one to to put the moniker on myself that I'm a I'm a movie snob. So I I definitely think that that when you see a movie, where you see a movie, and who you see a movie with can can have a major major impact on what you think about that movie and um you know i didn't see this movie in the theater i didn't see it in imax i didn't see it in its second re- theatrical release either um every time i've seen it i've watched it on on a tv you know it's not a tiny tv but you know it's not the big screen either but um but you know i can imagine that yeah visually it would it would stand out and i uh, you know even trying to think through i mean i just rewatched it because my boys hadn't seen it yet and you know they'd been asking and and trying to find 3 hours together as you know by myself alone is hard enough trying to do it with with my kids with their activities and stuff is even more challenging but um <clears throat> watching it again and thinking about like what what were some of my favorite parts of it i I mean you know i i don't even i don't know if i won't even want to get into the dialogue of it because some of it is so abysmal but um but the original avatar 
Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, well, well, let's yeah. well let's let's say something here for a moment. First of all, because we've we've talked about some movies where yes, the dialogue's amazing, the stories are great, but we've also talked about some where it's like it's not exactly known for its dialogue, right? So I want to throw a preface out there: we're watching a sci-fi movie that is pretty spectacular. Like like when I so I have different hats, and and maybe sure. you do too. So yeah. when I sit down with, you know. The English Patient, for example, which is three hours. I'm watching that for story and dialogue and this compelling, brilliant right. piece of cinematography that yeah. is entirely different than when I sit down and watch Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. That is entirely different, which also has great, you know, sure. great sure. itself, but yeah. is entirely different than Avatar. Um, and I guess that I'm not so snobby that I can take now. If it's really just, if it's just really bad, like it's a cheesy action grab some faux vampire movie that you know is supposed to be out in outer space fighting whatever and people just go because they want to see an action flick I I'm making something up generic but what I'm saying is like yeah dude it's it's bad you know what I mean but oh, the yeah. idea is is with this film to me it's one of those like IMAX experiences I wish I had seen it in IMAX but it's right. that idea of world creating like world building right yeah. so yeah. the first film there are actually a couple of scenes and i know we're gonna get to our favorite quote. i do actually have a favorite quote time but oh good yeah the scenes john that captured me i as soon as we met um as soon as we meet uh the navi what's, what's her name yeah as soon as we meet her zoe saladin's character um yep. who's the main character you know I, i'm sorry man that i'm just so dropping no, the ball it's on okay this. it's okay the main you female do. species character, Neytiri, you know, Neytiri who, who, is her name. Yeah, yeah, Neytiri, who gets with Jake Sully. Okay, yep. She, I mean, first of all, the way Zoe captures her, like an axe, her, I was, I was almost like, like this is gonna sound weird, but like I was sitting there and I was like, I would totally be like, if I were there in this, I was in this story, I was enamored by her, like as a being. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I really, really was. Like, in the theater, I was like, wow, she's like, like, you could see how they were a beautiful species. You know what right. I mean? And I was like, they're so interesting. But at the same time, I was thinking, wow, it's like like meeting the natives for the first time. Like, meeting just this beautiful culture that you've never seen before. And, it, and it's wild. And, and it's so adventurous there's this spirit about it i was captivated like oh. in the theater i went back to like when i was a kid and you'd be a kid and be like i'd be like you know trying to ask her out on a date you know what i mean like like you know you, you remember those days back in the day where you and and i'm kind of like you know so i'm watching this and i was just enamored in it and a lot of it is just her performance was phenomenal like oh, you, you got to yeah. put that down like her performance totally. is great and and so you know that sucked me in and it was just this wild this wild dive deep into their tribe right. and, and you know like even the matrix had a little bit of that in part two where they were kind of like in the underworld and they were kind of like really real themselves there's this surrealism right it's almost sure. star trekian also right? right so yeah yeah so there's all those things those tropes that he's playing with and <laughs> i just think that it looked so real that's why yeah. it was captivating all of a sudden i was like whoa right and yeah. so that was one of the one of the things that stood out to me consistently through the whole film. I really cared about what happened to her character, and the more we got to know about Jake and his story, I was really rooting for them to actually to to be together. I was actually rooting for that. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. Um, yeah. well, and that's I probably what mattered the most. You yeah. 
what you bring up is this even this idea of sus- suspending disbelief, right? Of of and to me that's the magic of storytelling. I think that's the magic of this movie really is and and you know having seen the second one I can tell you the same thing probably can be said of that in terms of suspending mm. disbelief that there are moments where you have to remind yourself that like you're watching not that you're watching something that's fake and made up but but that what you're watching doesn't really exist and, and that's the it's that's, immersive right that's yeah. <laughs> what i think the the success of this is is to be able to do that i mean i'm i'm looking forward to hearing your quote because i you know even as you're saying that and and talking about the different hats that we wear and i i definitely agree with that i think we you know we're going to judge films based upon what they are not what we think they should be and and so many times the 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 reviews that i get frustrated with are ones where people are like i'm judging it as this oscar you know winning drama and it's a science fiction movie so you know wh- why am i doing that i that to me again i know people have thrown shade at at george lucas but the beauty of the original Star Wars trilogy, even the prequels, and even yeah. somewhat the the sequels, is that even yeah. in the suspending of disbelief, there were there were lines in that original trilogy, and even in the prequels to somewhat that I still quote with my kids. I mean, Han Solo, yeah, absolutely, you know, is getting ready to be frozen, right? And Leia looks at him and says, "I love you." And what does he say? "I know." I mean, I know. Everybody <laughs> knows these lines, so. I'm like, okay, uh, yes. My favorite is uh, that's how that's how democracy dies with thunderous applause. I'm just kidding. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah that's yes. a no, whole no, no, but, other story. <laughs> that's a whole other. Well, you know, they were giving them such crap for like the political landscape, but it's kind of like eh, a little prophetic. I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> prophetic. George Lucas, the prophet, right? So, right. Uh, no, yeah. man. To- I'm totally. Listen, there are so many things, and I. You're right. You're right. But it's the immersive experience. That's why people love it. It's yeah. this immersive world. The Harry Potter stories. You know, the oh, books yeah. are so immersive, and the films sure. are not perfect. But you get so immersed Sucked in that in. story. You want to yep. be a part of it. And it's really hard to do a good job, and everybody tries to create those. I would say The Hunger Games came pretty close. Like, those are a great Mm -hmm. story, but, like, that was an immersive world where you, I don't know that you want to be a part of it so much, but you feel like you're in it with them. Like, you're running from threats, and you know what I mean? You're fighting as one of them. Yeah, yeah. And that's the point. Yeah, Yeah. so tell me what your favorite quote quote is from, from this movie, from Avatar. Uh, well, it's probably, maybe it's for a lot of people, but my favorite is when she sees him for the first time and rescues him, uh, Natari rescues him in, in the cryo, to, like gets the oxygen to him, like and actually uh-huh. is holding the broken body of Jake and right. says, I see you. Like mm. that whole scene, and, and I think there's a tremendous amount of theological implications in that scene, personally speaking. So before we unpack that box, that's probably one of my pinnacle favorite scenes where they because they're not just saying I see you I see your body and I see who you are the actual person oh my god I'm going to let you go see you no there's, they're saying I, I see who you are and I see your heart I see you yeah. and that kind of stuff always just punches me right in the face yeah yeah no that's good I, I, I yeah that that line and again without giving anything away for the other thing like that 
it's probably Pinnacle in the next movie. Well, here's always <laughs> the challenge, though. When you find something that works, how do you how do you maintain the balance between overdoing it and underdoing it? And yeah, like know, talk to me, goose. Like what? Like talk to me, goose. Like whatever. You know, obviously, yes. you know, it was a big part of Top oh. Gun, and he used it well. You know, he yep. was trying to just basically say, "Hey, I need some advice. Like, I need some help here." There's always that thing. I mean, what you're talking about, Willis. I mean, whatever it is, what your catchphrase that becomes the thing. How do you not overdo it so that it has the same impact? Can it have the same impact? I mean, even may the force be with you. Like, can can it have the same impact? And I think that, um, I, I you know. I just I think that that's that's a really that's a hard thing to do because you're right in the first movie was very profound and I'm going to guess by not having seen it and telling from your expressions that it's probably utilized obviously again in the in the new movie but it's that Mm -hmm. thing as does it have the same depth and the same impact or does it come across as crosses passe or you know like oh boy right so because in the first movie it was the build up build up build up all the way to that point well yeah and and there's something to be said there's something to be said about hearing something for the first time and i mean even how you described it joel about when she when natiri comes in and, and picks up his body for the first time i mean there's there's emotion in that. There's so many different things that play into it. And then she says that line, and there's so much depth that comes to it. Well, and mm-hmm. again, I mean, you know, you can take that because in some ways saying saying I see you is almost like saying I love you. But you can almost take that right. even further and say, you know, how often do you say I love you to the people that you love? Do you say it like all the time so that it becomes meaningless or do you say it, you know, just enough to kind of keep that, that depth and, and meaning to it? So, yeah. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to, and that's like, true. Beat a dead horse, no, yeah. no, no, no. But that's true. But that's, but that's true in our, in our own marriages or relationships. I mean, there's the first time you said, I love you. Like for real. I mean, it's this profound or heard it and received it. It's this profound effect that I think carries its staying power, but it's how is it used in our own narrative. And you're right. I mean, in our imperfections, do we use it enough? And or do we use it too much? Like I love pizza and I love my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Right. Like, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yep. um which you know is a little bit true. But the point is is that it is I think that we we can become we, we just we become casual so it loses the impact and, and, and it's what desensitized desensitized totally. so in a story like this that's yep. the pinnacle like if I was teaching lit to my kids I would say that's the climactic the climax wasn't the battle that's what they'll think the climax of the story is the climax the climactic point of the storytelling arc was that moment it when when he's trying to get back in his body and he's knocked out of the thing and and she realizes it in horror what's going on and has to and gets into that facility at all costs and literally saves him gives mm-hmm. him his oxygen back and all that and that tender moment between them that's that's the that's the pinnacle moment of that storytelling arc which is why it just like an empire the i love you i know is is one of a couple of the many climactic arcs just as much as no i am your father right yeah. so not luke i am your father by the way all you non-nerds so th- that scene 
is just so, you know, if what if David were to say that in the next story, because I'm your father, like it wouldn't. Right, it, it wouldn't have it the just same, wouldn't have the same yeah, oomph. Yeah, however, totally. the, the recognition of being your father is now laid out for Return of the Jedi, which changes the arc of that story. Because you went, what happened? You ever sit there and watch the old trilogy, and you go, what happened to the murderous, crazy Darth Vader? Uh, Empire is my favorite of all the films. What happened to the murderous Darth Vader who's like trying, trying to hunt him down and and just kill them all off? And then all of a sudden, people are like, well, he was just kind of more of a wuss in Return of the Jedi. No, he wasn't. He was. He was now conflicted because all of his family that he thought he lost, all of his depression and all of his rage, like now he was like, I have this hope, but I can't really show it because the emperor will kill me right away. But I really want to be with my son, but I can't because I have to serve this master. And what a great, we have to talk about that story actually sometime and talk about serving two masters. Oh yeah. (laughs) We have to talk about that sometime from that point of, from a certain point of view, as Obi-Wan would say. Well, and and um, I don't know if you guys but, watched Andor or not, but I mean, I you know thinking about Andor I haven't gotten leading, through that yet. I haven't, okay. I haven't gotten through it yet. But leading up to Rogue uh, One, so. and and I mean, what you just said to me is like, if you, it's almost like God of the Old Testament, God of the New Testament, right? Like you look at Darth Vader. And the beginning of, or at the end of Rogue One, when he comes onto the rebel ship and he's just, you know, kicking butts and taking names kind of thing and throwing people against the wall. And then you're like, okay, wait a minute. Like there's a heart in him that you see in, in Return of the Jedi. And even when Luke takes off his mask and, you know, does all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, and even, even the Obi-Wan series did a great job of that too, like, like really showing his his fixation and then when obi-wan realizes okay he's just darth vader now mm. there's that whole like he he loses and, and then and then and then the, the emperor's there at the end and vader's like no i only serve you blah 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 blah. so he lets the whole obi-wan thing go and he becomes singularly focused on just taking out his rage on everybody enter rogue one and all that stuff right right so right. yeah so i think yes there is that story arc of and depression and depression and disappointment play a big part of all that story, by the way, which leads to anger and all that. Sure. It leads to suffering. Right? right. So so I think um anger leads suffering to hate. Leads to I use those lines, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I use I use that quote, by the way, which is great Lucas writing, by the way. Oh, He's absolutely. written a lot of cheesy stuff, but really right. great writing are the deep things like uh oh, sure. I, I use that with my teenagers all the time. I go, hate leads to anger, anger leads or no, fear leads to Anger, anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Right? Like, and, mm-hmm. and actually, I would say that to anybody who's right. <laughs> causing problems on the political landscape, whichever side you're on. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, fear yeah. leads to yeah. anger, which leads to hate, which leads to suffering. Mm. So you know, <laughs> that was good. Listen to Yoda yeah. if you're not going to listen to anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and you know. You you touched on it before, even in regards to some of the big, big themes and lessons of Avatar, right? In terms of, you know, the destructive element. I mean, I, and I think there's there's probably a whole series we could do on that because the first thing that pops into my mind is Wally. You know that you know they had oh, yeah. they had completely destroyed the Earth. They got on these galactic cruisers um, so that they could clean it up and then come back, and they just became you know complacent, fat, lazy people in those things. Dude, right? can I tell you that? I think Wally was the first movie we took Elias and maybe a very baby Isaac. Too, and it was like at the Fox Theater in Atlanta, and, and they did summer movies. Uh-huh. And it was awesome. Have you ever been to the Fox Theater? It's amazing. Uh-huh. 
It's got like an Arabian night landscape oh, across nice. the ceilings and looks like the Muppets theater, right? And so we're there and I remember we're watching this movie and I'm up in the balcony, we're watching this movie and uh, when the fat guys are like floating around, dude, and they're just all complacent, I laugh so hard, you know, it would be you and me, like our kind of laugh that you could hear through the whole theater. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like Elias is like, I don't get why this is funny, but man, it was just anyway. That just hit me so funny. So as you're talking about Wally, I'm thinking about okay, here come the big, complacent overeating, right? You know, yeah. right? Well, it's a statement and, about culture too, right? Oh, yeah, and and I think what you said before too is like, okay, you've destroyed your world, and now you're going to go and destroy another world. I mean, we could probably spend far too much time talking about the element that they're. But going you know, Cameron's after. telling that story. That's the story. Really, Cameron. Karen's just an Cameron's oh. just an environmentalist, and he uses oh. his uh, <laughs> stories no to doubt. tell it. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah, and and I, I, but I, you know, but there's something there to to even from a spiritual side. Because and I mean, I just of course there is. You, they go hand talk, in hand, really. Yeah, yeah, you talk about that because you know there's some. Christians who would say, okay, well, you know, it's all going to blow up in the end anyway, so whatever. And it's like, "Mm, I don't think if you read the same Bible I do that that's exactly what's going to happen. I think it's about making all things new again and renewing and restoring things. And so that idea of, of, you know, restoration. Well, that that principle... You're right, but that principle even further. You're you're absolutely right about restoration, reconciliation, right? God's restoring all things. But let's go all the way back. Mm-hmm. We are called to be stewards. And what mm-hmm. is a steward? Right? right? Like so just because I'm gonna die and have a spiritual perfectious body doesn't mean I just eat and do cocaine and do whatever I want to do to myself, exactly. right? Because oh, who cares? Yep. I'm going to heaven anyway. I got my ticket. Right. So it's yeah. like we are supposed to steward well what we are given, the gifts that yes. we have and and we, so so it's like this. It's like this, John. I mean, a lot of people don't understand this. And again, it's just bad theology. But it's like this. You as the parent, you know, go to your son and you say, hey, listen, son, I, um, this is our brand new house. You can pick any room that you would like in here. You're welcome to go anywhere. This is my space here. Just respect that. But to, whatever you want, design your room how you want, your room. And we're, we're going to take care of this house. And, and then you release them to do that. And your son in response, or your son or your daughter in response, because they love you and they respect you, they want to take care of what you've given them dominion over or what you've given them responsibility over versus, well, you know, hey, listen, stuff just breaks and it can be fixed. They start throwing, you know, punching holes in the wall and start just leaving crust and junk everywhere, throwing their junk all over. Just because you could, just because you can do it doesn't mean should right so so you know what i mean and there's a consequence from that right i mean the fallout of that and that's a really crude example but the idea is why does that make sense when we put it in that context but it doesn't make sense when we put in the context of you know god's given us this dominion to steward and and actually out of stewarding and being responsible we're showing him we love him because it's actually his creation that's what's crazy is it's like it's it's his stuff so like why do we think we can just do whatever we want because we can do whatever we want? I mean, that's a that's a, like, yeah, it's yeah. mind numbing to me. But it's one of those things where I think I had to be almost had that plug pulled out of my neck from the Matrix, you know, years back, right? Oh and, yeah. Well, and and you know, once upon a time in a in a former life, I you know was 
was an engineer, got a master's in environmental engineering. And I, in, in my coursework, I took an environmental law class. And one of the, the phrases that I learned in that class was NIMBY, which is not in my backyard. And um, I, I mean, yeah, there's something to be said about the complacency of any of us with things that don't necessarily directly affect us versus things that are like right in our backyard. And and I think that the yeah. destruction of the world, and, and again, I mean, you, you could talk about the current, you know, global Christ, climate crisis and and the, the incredible um, landscape of opinions about that, you know, it, it, within the yeah, church, dude. in yep. the poli- yep. political world. Sure, everywhere. And, yeah, yeah. and I yep. think, you know, yeah, like, is it extreme? Probably, but sure. is yep. there truth to it? And that's where I think, again, look, we're, we're talking about a, a, a made-up fictional story about science fiction, but, but part of what we do on this podcast is looking between the frames and saying, hey, what do we, what do we see here? And I think we're, we're saying like, hey, there's something to be said about just being what you said, Joel, to being a steward of, of what has been given to us. We, I mean, my parents always taught me give something back that's been loaned to you better than, they, than it was given to you. And that's definitely not what we're doing with the earth, um, you know, and I don't think you have to be a, you know, a tree hugging hippie, you know, whatever in, in order to say that. I think listening to Bob Dylan. I'm yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think there's something to be said about saying, hey, you know what? Like, can we treat it's just responsibility better? That, that's a yeah. great word. Absolutely. Responsibility. It's just responsibility. And that's a good word for the church, guys. No matter where you fall in that landscape where you're really, quote, conservative or you think somebody's very liberal, even within the church. Okay, so so I'm just going to speak like to the church, to people who would say I am a, I listen to this show and oh here they go again. I listen to the show but I'm I'm a Christian. The, if you don't agree with any of those things or you fall somewhere polar opposite or wherever you are, can we all agree on this one thing? That God has given us dominion and that he has given us a responsibility to steward and just like you would teach your child or you learned or you would teach a friend to be responsible and respectful of things, even though they're not theirs. Like mm-hmm. that's what we need to do. We need to be respectful and we need to lead the way in that. Whether we call ourselves an environmentalist or not, doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. It's, I want to do my best because I love God so much and it's yeah. his. And I want to show him my deep gratitude and respect. The same way as I'm not going to go into my parents' house and just start kicking walls down and throwing their dishes all over the place just because I can do it. Right. You know, they can buy new ones. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, we're not going to do that because we want to show responsibility. And that's one way that we love God is by showing him that we care about what he makes, whether it's here or interstellar or wherever it might be. So we right. think this stuff's yeah. for us. It's not for us. I mean, that's a whole nother world viewpoint is it's it's not for us. So, John, it, th- that's why in this movie, though, I, I also want to encourage people humans get a really bad narrative and I understand why, but like, you know, the idea of colonization, the idea of enslaving, the idea of, you know, reaping all the benefits. There's always the the story of, well, it's a weapon for war. Here we go again. Or they're using all their natural resources to make all their money and ripping it up. Mm-hmm. It's an extreme hyperbo- hyperbolic metaphor. The film. Yes. Yeah. 
of what we do all the time to each other. But that's not all we do. That's not all humanity is. But we have to face it and go, okay, this does actually happen. And historically, this has happened a lot. And the people who stand to make most profits are like the guy in that movie, those guys making the calls. And they always have, what do they have? I mean, you know, they got the militaries and people with power enforcing it and doing it. And the thing is, is that's not being negative. That's actually being a realist. This happens. So what do we do? And as the church, what do we do? Just go, well, you're not a real, you're not a real American or you're not a real Canadian if you don't just, you know, support the whole thing. And it's like, yeah, dude, but, but bro, like. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So again, the, those are the kingdom kingdom perspective values. I've talked about it enough. And if you don't care at this point, you probably just don't care. But the thing is, is it, so don't get offended by the story or the message, but think on some things. Okay. What are, what do I think about that? So for, so John, I'm going to say this, because if I'm speaking to an American audience or even a, a Canadian <laughs> audience right now, we revere and we we rightfully so honor our military personnel, past, present, future, mm-hmm. for, for the willingness to step up, uh, for, for the experiences they've had. I've got some friends here that are dear to me. I've got some friends and family back in the States that are dear to me. And, 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 and it's good to do those things, to give them honor and to respect and those kinds of things. But it is not Jesus. Like right. it's not, it's yeah. not a, a statued pedestal. They are so devoted of, they are so deserving of my worship that it supersedes the worship to the one who actually deserves my full worship. So yeah. if we're not careful, we take those ideologies and those things and we place them on a pedestal and make it an, we, we make an altar to it. Right. So whatever that is, whether it's a flag, whether mm-hmm. it's a, a way of life, whether it's a, a material belonging, whether it's a territorial belonging, whatever it may be. And so we have to be careful. And I think this movie, to be honest with you, the first film I'm speaking about does a pretty good job about getting to the root of it saying, yeah, I know there are species you don't care about. You think they're a bunch of morons. And yeah, there's the green tree hugger science hippies over here trying to do research and whatever you think. It it shows all those landscapes. But the bottom line is, aren't they a people worth, if, if we were thinking on earth, and you went into a jungle or something, but aren't they a value? Mm-hmm. Aren't they a people that have a value, right? And that's the question. So, well, and that circles back to that line that you said is your favorite. Like, I see you. I, I mean, okay, like we we stand before uh, the God who created us, and He doesn't say, you know, bow down, bow, you know, whatever. He says, I see you. I, I mean, and yeah. so the mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, like we need to kind of take that same approach. And and I think, you know, the only thing I'd add to what you said masterfully there, Joel, is, is just the fact that we, we need to be able to say, like, be not so dismissive about things that, that okay, we don't agree 100%, so we don't agree That's at all. good word. I mean, and so mm. it's like, okay, like, regardless of what you think about James Cameron and his views and whatever, regardless of whether this is hyperbolic or metaphorical or whatever, and maybe an extreme display of something, there's an element of truth there. How do you kind of draw out and distill that truth down to something that's manageable and, and something that is actionable as well that you can say okay you know what like maybe i do need to do my part to be mindful of the fact that eh, maybe some of my wastefulness is contributing to 
the climate issues we're having in our in our world. And so is there a way that I can do something about that? And and that's where I think, you know, going back to the responsibility and the stewardship, especially for those of us who who call ourselves Christians, the 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 stewardship of saying, okay, um, I'm not going to be selfish because the one who came that we celebrate, I mean, here we are in the middle of Advent, days away as we record this from, from Christmas, the one who, who came to inhabit our space selflessly rather than selfishly, right? And so wh- why would we continue to take a selfish approach even towards things like humanity towards how we interact with other cultures other beliefs all other things like that that doesn't mean that in our interaction and our embracing that we're saying i agree 100 percent or whatever jesus didn't say go and agree with everybody that you meet with he said go and love them i mean so i mean do that and if you don't agree like then have conversations about it but don't be so dismissive and honestly like yeah it may sound like i'm pushing hard on on the christians part this is both sides of the political spectrum here that are doing this you know all all of the spectrums yeah all the shades you know and i I will say this as we kind of are wrapping things up i I just want to encourage people i mean if you've listened to me a few times ago here goes joel here he goes on his tangent you know i just want to encourage you like it's healthy if you're able or you ever get the opportunity or, or if you're on the younger side, it's really healthy to do an exchange program. It's it's healthy to travel if you ever get to do that, if you get the opportunity. I realize things are really expensive these days. But if you get to travel somewhere, if you get to just see how other people live, even if it's, you know, on missions is always a great thing as part of your church or, or you know, just if you're a student, um, if you're an adult, I, I mean experience the world i mean even if regionally like go see how people live in portland oregon like go go to different places and meet people and that just helps so much to develop a larger broader sense of i am not the center of the universe and all of the problems are the problems in south carolina like i'm just picking a place you know what i mean like what it's like what's going on in new england and what concerns them is completely different than what goes on in in the southeast and you know why because i've lived in both those places and it's even different than the concerns that goes on in the desert where they have no water and they keep building houses like you know i mean that's just a reality like lake mead is disappearing people Mm. like weekly yeah (laughs) and it's like that's a problem and they're still building homes what are you going to do you know what i mean uh drill oil you guys going to drink that like you know so whether you're an environmentalist or not that's just a practical question of uh i don't know i'm not a scientist or anything but it doesn't make good sense to be somewhere where there's absolutely no water that doesn't sound like a good plan and it's really hot so and don't get me wrong arizona is beautiful nevada is beautiful but it's that thing about we need to listen and pay attention because what are we doing and what are we being unwise about i guess that's the thing is don't be a fool like the scripture talks about that don't be a fool like wisdom starts with the 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 fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom like we need to understand that that when we actually respect god that fear when we respect him and what is his and who he is then we start to have wisdom then we can Mm. hear the spirit mm-hmm. talk and and that's what you're talking about john yeah. in in life yeah. and in practicality so don't be a cynic 
right. you know, yeah. and not everything is somebody coming after you politically. Like, hey, you know. So anyway, listen, I digress. The, the movie though itself, it, it, you know, it is a classic. And if it's one that you love or you don't, or you know, I, I'm not on the hype train of like, oh my gosh, Avatar, but. It is a special film, and I think it's unique, which is why I want to see the continuation of the story and sure. all of its blemishes. Like, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And, and really just taking three hours to get the heck out of here for a minute and just yeah. kind of go immerse myself in someone else's problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that and, makes sense. And you talk about the experience. I mean, having seen it and experienced it, I watched it in 3D. I would just say that you yeah, know, that's if, cool. if you're going to go so far as to see it and you're going to commit to that three hours, you may want to experience it in a, in a way that you would never, ever experience it otherwise. And so whether that's IMAX or 3D, not that I want to give more money to James Cameron, but but again, I, I think there's something visually spectacular about both this one that we've just talked about and the sequel, and I, and I hope that on our next episode we'll be able to talk about the sequel. I'll, um, yeah. I'll help you out there, John, with, with your with your kind of rift of giving money to James Cameron. Let's think about all the people who have actually worked on the film, and let's think about supporting them. Oh, that's good. That's the way I would put that's it. That's good. Yeah, all definitely. the name list of people in the background actually doing all the rendering and all the grunt work and, you know, the actors themselves who probably tried to do the best that they could and all that stuff. So sure. I don't have a problem yeah. going and supporting it when I don't think about, oh, the director's a jerk. I'm just going to. Right. <laughs> no, that's a I good mean? point. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Hopefully, um, you know, you, you, if you don't agree with us, if you do agree with us, either way, you know, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you at podcastbetweentheframes at gmail.com. Uh, love to hear some thoughts about some things that you'd love to hear us discuss as well. Uh, love to hear that you're just listening. I mean, we're, we're following stuff and getting the analytics uh, in the different mediums but in uh, platforms but uh, would love to hear personally from you guys so so drop us a line uh, follow us on social media as well and if you're liking the show and you're liking what you're hearing please do share it with friends and family and uh, help them because uh, I'm sure there's probably others out there who are looking between the frames to see what they can find as well. Mm. So um, we hope you'll join us next time. We're grateful for our listeners and grateful that you guys are listening. Thanks, Joel, for uh, another good time and conversation. Always a pleasure. Merry Christmas to everybody. Although I guess it's going to be maybe afterwards. So I'm going to say this. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and happy new year. Yes. There you go. There you go. Take care. Thanks for listening to Between the Frames with John and Joel. If you like what you're listening to, be sure to click subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. We are on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Prime, as well as Anchor FM. In each episode, John and Joel dig a little bit deeper to find hidden meanings between the frames as it relates to life, culture, and faith. See you next time. Mm-hmm.